So this morning, um, as I mentioned earlier, Pastor Bill isn't here, um, and he is actually in Chicago um, performing a marriage ceremony for uh, some college kids that come to our church. So Zach and what's Zach's last name again? Carter. Carter. Zach Carter and Kim are getting married this morning or today. Not this, I don't, this afternoon, I guess. This afternoon, yeah. So they're getting married this afternoon, and Pastor Bill is, um, is preaching that service. So this is really awesome. We're um, glad that he gets to do that. So you guys know Zach and Kim. They, they usually sit up here with the SIU crowd, kind of up in this, in this area right up here. So um, we're really proud of them and happy for them. Just really pray for them this morning and, and today as they begin a new life together. Um, so this morning... Rick Scoggins is going to bring us the word. Yeah, right? So um, all of you, I'm sure, have met Rick, and you've talked to Rick. We told Rick he has to keep it to two hours. So. Oh, and, and by the way, I took care of calling him for the extra two hours' time. So don't worry about having to get out of here at noon. So, okay. Um, so Rick's going uh, to share something that's really been on his heart. Um, and um, I, I also wanted to share with you guys that um, Lance has spoken, uh, brought us a word a, a few weeks back, and, um, and Rick now. These guys are part of the leadership team at, at Family Bible Church, and, um, and we, it's really important to us as a leadership team that, um, that the people on the leadership team are able to come, and come before people and share what's on their heart and to share their faith. Um, Biblically, we feel like that's, a, that's an attribute um, of, the, of a leader. And so these guys are, are, are willing and, and, and uh, excited about sharing what's on their heart. So Rick's going to share with us this morning. We have Blast for pre-K. So the pre-K kids can go ahead and, and go. They're going to go right over there in that room by the Blast signs. Um, right over there. So that's that. It's all you, Rick. All right. Very good. Thank you, Dan. And, and like Dan said, that I think it is very important for those of us who assume that role of leadership over God's body. It's, it's not our body. <laughs> you, know, you are God's people, and, and that's a huge responsibility. And in order to, to serve our God right, I think we need to be well-versed well, uh, in His Word and respecting Him in everything that we do. So if I could, I'd like to offer a, just take a moment in prayer to to ask him to do that for me, that, uh, that his word will be spoken through me and, and not my own. God, our Father, um, thank you for this beautiful day that summer's kicked in and we have some beautiful weather, that we have this independence holiday to reflect on the great nation that you have, uh, by your hand, established. And uh, may we invite you into this, this nation to continue, that it may thrive and, and, and glorify you. Thank you for this opportunity to speak before your people, and may I honor you in that, and may your word be spoken and your truth, that not only is, it, is your word given, but your word will be received and heard and applied in the hearts and minds of everyone that's listening. May we do honor to you in this time, and we pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Oh, that, that God of Wonders song, we've been playing that song since uh, we started here. This church started about seven years or so ago, and that was one of the first songs we played, and it never gets old. There's something about that song that just gives me the tingles, you know, the God of the universe, you know, the, the God of wonders. He's, uh, he's very real. He does some just 
wonderful things. Um, And I want to reflect on that in in what I'm going to talk about today. You know, I'm an engineer, so I speak and think a little technical. My thinking is probably different than a lot of people. And anybody who's, who's, who's read some of the email I send or text messages that are five pages long, okay, Forgive me, but that's just the way I think and express myself and extend myself into the lives of others. Um, God's Word, it, 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 um, it really excites me and it, and it thrills me to the point of I've got to, I've got to express it. I've got to share it, you know. So I, I thank God for that motivation, you know. But uh, before we get started in, in talking about Him, I, I thought I might just take just a second and reflect on this Independence Day. Just real quick, because that's what we're celebrating in, in, at this time. We're all taking off work, enjoying pools and barbecues and things like that. But I hope we don't forget um, the, uh, the purpose for this holiday that we're, we're taking this time. I got a book by David Barton, Original Intense. I love David Barton. He, he, he brings a lot of history uh, in his books, especially the... The, the Christian roots and the Christian principles that our country was founded on that seems to be slipping away so quickly. <laughs> David Barton is one of those true heroes that kind of holds on to those principles. He's, he's trying to keep those uh, in, in the fabric of our, of our nation. And in a book that he, he wrote here called Original Tents, he describes Independence Day. Just let me read this to you if you don't mind. Just reflect on Independence Day just for a second. <clears throat> It says, with all channels of reconciliation exhausted on July 2nd, 1776, Congress approved, in principle, a separation from Great Britain. Two days later, July 4th, 1776, Congress approved the Declaration of Independence. At this stage, it was signed only by John Hancock, President of Congress, Charles Thompson, its secretary. The 56 leaders who approved the separation from Great Britain realized that their struggle against the much superior British military could not be won solely through their own efforts. Thus, it was in their Declaration of Independence they openly acknowledged the source of help on whom they would rely. The laws of nature and, natural, and nature's God, endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, appealing to the supreme judge of the world for the, rest, for the rectitude of our intentions, Then, in the last line of the document, those patriots announced, for the support of this declaration with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. The Declaration of Independence was actually a dual declaration, a declaration of independence from Britain and a declaration of dependence on God. And I hope as we reflect on this Independence Day and what it means for the independence we have in our country, but the dependence that our forefathers tried to establish on God in order to maintain that liberty and independence that we have. Because if we as a society, as a majority, uh, make a choice to allow this nation to become a godless one, the democratic uh, premises on which we're, we're founded will allow that to happen. And, and, and unfortunately, I see it happening. Uh, we have a responsibility as the salt and light of this earth to be, in this republic, a representative of, of God in this nation that he ordained through those forefathers. And I encourage you to consider that as we reflect and blow, blow, blow off those firecrackers and, and those little black snakes that you make on the concrete and, 
and the, uh, the Roman candles, which you're not supposed to hold, but we always hold them. And sometimes we used to have fights with each other. I'm like, what was I thinking? I don't know. Aim it at people. But <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Um, but I ask that you, 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 you definitely consider what God has established in our nation as we consider our independence. But um, I also want to consider, I, I, I want to address a topic that is something that dwells in me all the time. And the guys who I meet with, you know, Lance and, and, and Mike, we meet up for breakfast on Thursday mornings, and, and Corey, and any, any guys that would like to come up to breakfast at 9th Street on Thursday mornings at 5.30, it's a little early, but we get together before work, and we kind of uh, chew on some scripture and, and spiritual concepts, and we hold each other accountable, and, and it's, it's a great start of the day and a, and a great uplift for the week. Um, so it's through them that I get to express a lot of these things that ruminates in my mind. But uh, these are some fundamentals of what our beings are created of uh, through which God works, through which, through which we develop the capacity for God to reveal himself through us. That's what he's up to. We as humans is an, are an instrument for God to reveal himself to all humanity and reconcile them back to himself. That's the gain that he's up to. Well, some of those constructs that's in our being, I'm not sure we really understand, like uh, uh, brain, our thinking, uh, our heart, spirit, conscience. You know, these terms, these, these uh, characteristics of our being are mentioned a lot of times in Scripture. Uh, for example, um, thou, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. Well, I mean, we gather from that a, a meaning that, hey, it's got to be intense, it's got to be meaningful, but what is this mind? What is this soul? What is the spirit? What is the conscience? What role does our thought life play in conditioning us to be that instrument of God, not only for other people, but be who we are in God so that he can illuminate us and we can be all we can be? So, um, some of the, uh, you know, how these types of things affect us in tangible, real human life, it, it affects our execution of life. It affects our quality of life. It affects our obedience to God's will and design for humanity. It affects our eternal destiny. It affects our ability to conquer evil. It, it, it enables us to have success of deliverances of all kinds, mental, spiritual, physical, emotional, financial. These are all very tangible results or, or uh, benefits of, of using the constructs of our being to allow God to penetrate and operate. And I want to emphasize, you know, intelligence and, and learning capabilities and mental capacity is not the issue here. You know, again, as, as an engineer, I, I tend to get a little technical. I'm kind of anal. I, I sometimes get uh, a little teased for using big words and things. I, I'm not trying to be somebody I'm not. That's just how I think. Okay? <laughs> but, uh, uh, but I think what we're dealing with here extends beyond just someone's mental capacity or their desire to read or their scholarship or their academia or anything like that. What we're talking about here is... It's constructs of, of the human being that's in everyone. Everyone is, is given the capacities to think and, and to, 
to have thoughts and, and, and ruminate on, on reality in their mind. Everybody has to come, come to conclusions there that affects their behavior and, and who they perceive God to be and their purpose. So I, I don't ever want to, through my discussion or ever talking to anybody, ever give the idea that I hold some pompous type of, of, of scholarship over mastery over the scriptures or memorization or something like that. That's not what it's about. It's about us loving our Lord our God with, with all our mind, heart, soul, and strength. <clears throat> but some examples of how thinking operates separately from physic, physical activity. There's, there's, when, when, when we consider ourselves as a human being, there's, there's a psychological component that's going on all the time. Okay? We're, we're receiving impulses, uh, senses, you know, touch, feel, smell, taste, those types of things. And uh, there's a psychological component to that. And then there's uh, a, a, a body, a, a behavioral component to that. And I believe that those two things are separate in many ways when it comes to the mind. For example, um, Lisa and I were driving, uh, I was driving the car, and we were talking. We were going up on Troxler. Uh, heading towards the high school, and there's a stoplight there at, at Troxler and 160. And, and uh, we were talking about something, and my mind kind of wandered, and, and I, I stopped at the stoplight, and it was still red, but then I started to go through the, I started to go. And Lisa went, wah! <laughs> you know? And I'm like, oh, shoot, what was I thinking? You know? <laughs> so I looked behind me, and I backed up. Oops, you know? But our mind can sometimes take us in places that, that doesn't align with where we really are. You know what I'm saying? And we have to be careful how we're thinking and, and, and where our mind goes and where we perceive ourselves to be. Um, the components of our being involved in, in this thought life that I'm talking about, first of all, is our brain. And I, I don't want to get too biological. This is not a science class, but it's reality, okay? We, we've got a brain, okay? That's where all the stimuli from the five senses realm kind of settles in there. That, that, that's the beginning of sensation for us. Sensation is different than perception. Sensation is the act of receiving a stimulus by a sense organ, by touching, smelling, whatever, Okay? That's a sensation, but perception is the act of interpreting that stimulus registered in the brain by the sensation. So as human beings, as complex as we are, once we touch or sense something, now it becomes uh, part of our thought life to then rationalize and say and perceive, well, what was that? What was the context of that sensation? What does it mean? How am I going to respond to that? We have control of that in the mind. There's a saying that the eye receives and the mind perceives, okay? Uh, we project sensations into some facet of experience, memory, or presupposition about the context of that sensation. So we all, we're always learning through experience, through habits. Uh, we develop stereotypes and prejudices and things like that in our mind that kind of shape how we how we manipulate that, that sensation that we just had and its context. This presupposition is our worldview or paradigm, which impacts how we perceive or come to conclusion about what we've sensed or observed. A worldview or a paradigm is that context of thinking that we've established since we were small, and it, it grows and it develops. And if you see, the, the paradigm or worldview of our culture is even changing. 
to the point that things that were, were considered uh, taboo 50 years ago is now considered normal, even glamorized, okay? You can tell that the, the, the mindset of our culture, that the paradigm is shifting, okay? And unfortunately, I think it's shifting away from reality, <laughs> and what, at least the way that God's defined it. So you've got the brain, this organ, this instrument, something we can touch, something we can measure, we can feel, okay? And I was reading an article that uh, um, they're starting to do these MRI tests now where they can actually visualize and measure brain activity, okay? Well, I just wanted to satisfy the myth, okay, about guys, okay, at least for me, because last December I had an MRI, and I do have a brain, okay? Lisa, it's in there. It's there. I've got proof. I can show you the MRI results. So. <laughs> but the second component of is the mind. The mind is an extension of the brain. The mind is something that, that we can't measure. A doctor can't go into your body and take your mind out. Okay? It's not an organ. Uh, which, to me, it, that contributes to the marvel of, of what God created in us as human beings. You know, that we have a thought life. We have a mind. The mind in, in the Greek, uh, the mind is uh, dianoia, the faculty of deep thought and understanding, gathering place of thoughts, this mental platform of reasoning and conjecture where, where lots of, 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 of stimuli come into the body, not just through the brain. We're going to get more into that here in just a minute. But this receptacle of the mind is where this reasoning, this calculation, uh, this conjecture has to happen, which drives our, our thinking and our, our behavior. Uh, I refer to it as the melting pot of stimulus. You know, our emotions, traditions, all these presuppositions we're talking about. Um, you know, prejudices, stereotypes, fantasies, and dreams. Um, Satan operates... Uh, with a very mindful intent uh, in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 2, verses 11, where Paul warns not to be outwitted by Satan in, in coming to the conclusion through religion and religious discipline that one could not be restored into fellowship with God after committing a sin. Back in that day, people were falling into the perception, okay, that after they committed a, a sin, they could not be restored back into the church. And Paul was reminding them, hey, don't fall victim to Satan's schemes. The, 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 what Satan does by trying to misguide our thinking to come to wrong conclusions and, 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 and distort our perceptions on what God's truth really is. Then there's the heart. Uh, the Greek word for heart is cardia. So we've got the brain, we've got the mind, and we've got the heart. The heart is probably the most pinnacle aspect of our being because it's in the heart where we believe and are saved. In Romans chapter 10 verse 9, it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, you will be saved. Um, the heart is a vital arena of our being that we should protect and, and build and make sure it's in, in alignment with God's truth. Where the firm results of reasoning and conclusions in the mind settle, to become conviction and motivation behavior is in the heart. So, so the brain receives these stimuli. It goes to the mind. We think about it. We conjecture. 
We apply all of our fantasies and dreams. We apply our prejudices. We apply stereotypes, the context of memory and our experience and all these things to it, okay? And then we come to a conclusion, and that conclusion settles into our heart, and it becomes conviction. It becomes motivations that then drive us to the behaviors and, and things that, that, that uh, occur in us, okay? Um, scripture encourage, encourages us in Colossians 3, chapter, uh, chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Set our hearts, or seek, or inquire, or desire the things above. Set our minds on things above, not on earthly things. Christ is your life. Okay, the, the term life refers to our vitality, um, our sense of, of, of existence and being and thriving. Christ is that life, and we need to set our minds, set our hearts on, on him, the person of Christ, in order for um, life to actually be realized. Okay, so we've got the brain, we've got the mind, we've got the heart. Now the spirit, okay? Man was created... Body, soul, and spirit. In Genesis, in the creation account, it, described, it, it uses three verbs to describe the creation account. Body was formed out of the dust of the earth. We were made a living being by, by, by God breathing life into us to give us a soul life. And then we were created spiritual beings. We were created with something new, different than the animal life. Okay? We were created with a spirit, which is in the image of God. Um, in James 2, 20, chapter 2, verse 2, uh, 26, James 2, 26, James indicates that life is dependent on spirit. Okay? In John chapter 6, verse 63, Christ himself explains that life is in the spirit. The flesh counts for nothing. Um, Christ's words are life. In fact, Christ freaked some people out because he was talking about himself being the bread of life. And if you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you will have life. And some people freaked out. They're like, that's, that's like cannibalism. What are you talking about? You know, they, they were trying to apply a physical meaning. Their perception was wrong. They were trying to apply a physical meaning to a spiritual truth, okay? And it freaked people out. A lot of people left and abandoned him at that time. <clears throat> and he looked at his disciples. He said, hey, you, you guys going to leave me too? And they're like... Where else are we going to go? You know? uh, and that's when he said, Hey, the words I have spoken to you are life. Life is in the spirit. The flesh counts for nothing. The spirit is referred to as the hidden man of the heart in the King James Version in 1 Peter. The hidden man of the heart. It's the spirit. The spirit accompanies uh, that, that arena of the heart inside of us. Again, the spirit is not something you can surgically remove or x-ray, okay? It's something that accompanies our heart in our inner being, the way that God created us. Then we have the soul. So we've got the brain, the mind where we think, the heart where our conclusions and motivations settle and our convictions lie. We have the spiritual component that exists inside of us, the way God created in His image. And that spiritual component does not contribute to true spiritual life until... God quickens it. God makes it alive through the gift of Holy Spirit. Okay? When God performs that transaction on that spirit and makes our spirit alive, now it contributes to a new type of life, 
a newness of mind, a newness of thinking, okay, or at least the capacity to, okay, a capacity to think with the mind of Christ, and we're expected to, and we'll look at some scripture here in just a second. Let's go to, uh, if whatever we would turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And we're going to go to verse 10, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10. And I'm going to read from 10 to 16, okay? And listen close. Listen carefully as it, as it kind of talks about thinking and spirit and, and how, how the spirit of God and the spirit of man interact here. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? That's that created image of God that's in each of us as a human being, that spiritual component. It knows our deepest thoughts. It's, it accompanies the heart. Okay? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God, Holy Spirit. The person of the Holy Spirit knows the deepest things of God. Okay? We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they're spiritually discerned. The spiritual man makes judgments about all things, but he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Okay? When, we're, when our spirit is given life and it is quickened with that capacity to understand the deeper things of God then we have the, the capability of thinking, of, of, of adopting in our mind the mind of Christ. And that's where God wants us to be. He, when we, he wants us to become more Christ-like. He wants us to become like Christ. Well, how, how do we do that? You know, we talk about that all the time. It's good stuff. What's that mean? Well, it starts in our thought life. You know, Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Whatever's noble, whatever's pure, whatever's holy, whatever's right, think about those things, okay? We breed. We can have a choice of, of what we breed in our thinking and the conclusions we come to in our mind. Uh, we, you can also use God's Word to, to, um, to bolster and, and to, uh, to, to straighten out our thinking so that the conclusions we come with settle down into a worldview that is aligned with, with God's and not this culture. Okay. So... Okay, so we got the brain, the mind, the heart, the spirit, okay? With the spirit given life, we can now operate in the mind of Christ, and we're expected to. But then we have the, the soul, the soul life. In the Hebrew, in Genesis, Genesis in the creation account, uh, the Hebrew word was nefesh. In the Greek, it was suke. Um, Greek, New Testament was written in the Greek, and the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, but both the Old Testament and the New Testament talk about soul and soul life. Um, 
Soul life is established in the blood, and that's a whole new study. Blood is, is a very significant constituent in human beings in establishing our soul life. Uh, that's a whole other study. I'm not going to go there. <laughs> but it's an interesting one. It's a fascinating one. If you ever really consider the value and the, 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 the significance that blood has in establishing us as human beings in God's creation, it's huge. Spiritual life uh, established in and through God um, is expressed, or, or God expresses himself to us to enhance our soul life by his word, his scriptures, through Jesus Christ himself. There, there was a, an administration where Jesus Christ was on this earth. And, and he, he represented God's word ideally to mankind at that time in the arena that he networked. Today, he still represents God's word ideally even beyond uh, what's written in, in just words in a text. Okay? He still reveals himself. Jesus Christ still he reveals himself to me okay, in some profound ways as I, as I consider God's truths and, and reflect on God's reality. The church, the service ministries of the church, Ephesians chapter 4 talks about the five ministries of the church, which is uh, apostles, pastors, teachers, evangelists, and there was one other one in Ephesians chapter 4, 11. But through those five ministries, God reveals himself through his church, through Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, again, this isn't, all, any of these could be great studies. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 talks about the nine manifestations. The, the, way, the manifestations are the way that the Holy Spirit reveals himself into the physical realm for us by God's will, through us for the benefit of the church. The magnificent things. I see that going on in, in our body life. When I talk to people, I talk to a lot of people and I love people, I like sharing, I like understanding and partnering with them and, and, and hopefully helping to guide them towards God's truth and worldview. But as I talk to people and, and I, I listen to their ideas and their, their thoughts and desires, I know that we're, we're not a church of thousands, but the people that are here, I'm amazed at... Uh, how the Holy Spirit is manifesting in them through words of knowledge, words of wisdom, through uh, gifts of healing, uh, through uh, prophesying. You know, prophesying is not necessarily some magical interpretation of what's happening in the truth or happening in the future. It is someone being able to uh, explain truth, what it means. And I see, I see a lot of that going on. God reveals himself through his creation and circumstances and in, in our circumstances every day. So, so we have the brain, which receives all this stimulus. We have the mind. We have the heart, where our convictions and conclusions settle. We've got the, the spiritual component that associates with the heart, okay? And then we have the soul life, which, which makes us a, a living being. What about the conscience? You know, the scriptures talk about uh, conscience. Um, the conscience is the filter, the tool or the mechanism through which sensations of the brain and reasoning of the mind and convictions of the heart and influences of the spirit can tend to resolve into a peaceful, resolute, certain conclusion. So the, let me say that again. <laughs> the conscience is that filter. When, when we have these things going on in our mind, we have these convictions in our heart, we're giving these signals from the spirit, okay? Uh, this conscience is, is a uh, kind of a, 
a, a, a mediator, a, a mentor about our thought life and, and depending on our personality and, and, and our knowledge and things like that, it will come to a conclusion and say, this is what I should do or this is what I shouldn't. I should feel this way about this or I should feel that way about this. The scriptures talk about some people whose conscience is seared, you know, like uh, to punish people, uh, forms of punishment in that day were to sear someone's eyes. They would take a hot branding iron type device and actually blind them as a form of punishment. You know, scripture refers to conscience being seared in the same way as if someone's taken a branding iron to somebody's conscience and rendered it useless, <laughs> okay? And I see a lot of that in our culture today. There's some people that come to a conclusion in their mind about performing a certain act or adopting a certain ideal or principle that, that in their mind justifies them to perform very wrong things. Their conscience is weak or non-existent. A conscience can be weak or strong. A weak conscience will influence incorrect conclusions. So, so conclusions can be wrong, if the conscience is ineffective and gives a person a false sense of contentment, it could cause them to do evil. I think there's a lot of that going on today. <clears throat> so how did Christ think? Okay, so we, we're, we're equipped. God has equipped us with this, uh, this, this brain, this mind, this heart, this spirit, this soul life, this conscience, okay? These are very real things we all have to contend with all the time. Every one of you sitting right now are thinking about something. Okay, maybe your mind's wandering, maybe you're understanding what I'm saying, maybe you're hearing my, you're, you're kind of falling into the cadence of my voice, and you're so relaxed, it's like, I'm, I'm hypnotizing you, oh, about ready, okay, <laughs> I don't know, uh, but hey, everyone's mind kind of travels and ruminates distinctly, okay, how did Christ's mind work, and Christ is our model, he's our master, he's our savior, he's our Lord, do we not think that we should maybe consider how he thought and his expectations of how the mind should work, how our perceptions should be. Christ used Scripture, even God's word beyond Scripture, to oppose the rationale of evil. For example, when he was tempted in the desert for 40 days, one of the uh, approaches Christ used to maintain his, 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 uh, his purpose there was to quote Scripture back to, to Satan and say, no. Satan said, hey, Christ, think this way. Try this. And Christ said, no. The scriptures, the standard of my morality, the standard of my thinking says this. I am not going to fall victim to you trying to disillusion my thinking, my conscience, my state of heart. I, I'm not going to do that. Um, in the Beatitudes, Matthew chapter 5, and you can turn there if you like. Matthew chapter 5, verse 21 and 22. In the Beatitudes, Christ established a higher standard and responsibility of thinking. Sin extends beyond just behavior, but into the thought life, into the mind. In the Old Testament, when the law was established, uh, people did not have the gift of Holy Spirit. Their spirits were not made alive so that they had a capacity to understand the things of God, except... For those particular people God chose, okay? Um, so so they, didn't, they didn't have that capability. Um, but today, in this administration that we have here, when, when we're given life by the Spirit, we do have that capability to know the difference 
Um, so in the Old Testament, the law was based on behavior. If you do this, do this, or if you don't do this, you have sinned. Okay? It was behavior-oriented. In the new administration, in the grace administration, where we have given God's Holy Spirit, we have a conscience. We have a, an internal means of determining right and wrong before it ever results in behavior. For example, Matthew chapter 5, 21 and 22. So 5, 21 says, You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, Do not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. So in other words, someone performed the act of murder. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Now he's saying, wait a minute. Before you even commit the act, if you're angry, if in your mind, and you've, if you come to a conclusion in your heart and conviction to be angry at your brother, you've already sinned <laughs> before you ever commit the act. He is now establishing a higher standard of purity, a higher standard of holiness, okay? Same with adultery. If you go on to verse 27 in chapter 5. He says, you have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Okay, there's the term, heart. Once, once a guy or a woman, once they fantasize, you know, that stimulus, they, they see something, uh, someone of the opposite sex that's attracted to them, it's, it forms in the mind, it swirls around, uh, fantasies start kicking in, <laughs> sinful desires, the flesh starts kicking in. Next thing you know, they come to a conviction or a conclusion in their heart that they start creating that reality within themselves uh, even before the behavior or the, the act is made. And Christ is saying, look, don't even go that far. Set a new standard. <clears throat> Christ rebuked Peter in Matthew chapter 16. Take a look at Matthew chapter 16. Verse 21 through 23. Okay, so from that time, this is Jesus is predicting his death here. It's coming towards the end, and he's communicating to his disciples what's going to happen. He says, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord. He said, this shall never happen to you. So here's Peter, you know, as, as great as though that may seem, as a very noble act to want to protect Christ physically, okay? Peter, is, I mean, we would look at that and say, good job, Peter. You're wanting to protect our Lord, man. That's, that's a very noble thing. Well, okay, but what's Christ say about that? Jesus turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Peter was failing to, to perceive, to create a perception from, from his uh, uh, interactions with Christ and who Christ was and, and his purpose. He was unable to create a proper perception of what Christ's purpose really was. He didn't get it. He was trying to protect him physically. He's thinking on physical terms. Christ was thinking on much bigger terms, okay? That's how we've got to think. We are part of something a lot bigger than the little battles at work or the little trifles at home or spending that money in, in, in these more trivial affairs of, of life. Uh, as catastrophic as they may be perceived in your mind, we're still part of something a lot bigger than, that extends beyond just this physical world. So, how do we renew our mind? Uh, Romans chapter 12, 
was it, uh, and I'm going to refer to it as I don't remember my, my exact memory here. Romans chapter 12, he says, verse 1, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There's that receptacle of thinking that we have to renew. The word renewing there is not just to do it one time. It's a continual newing up, a continual process of renewing, keeping your mind where it's supposed to be uh, with respect to our purpose and who God is and uh, keeping us uh, obedient in his word. We don't want to let any path of the adversary conform you to this world. It warns us about being conformed to worldly patterns, worldly gimmicks, worldly propaganda. And man, there's a lot of it out there. And if you're not perceiving those messages right, if you're perceiving those types of things as something that's natural uh, and, and, and something you choose to invest in, uh, and, it, and it's, it's leading you to a place of, of mental operation, emotion, or behavior that's, that's varying from God's standard, you might want to think about the conclusions you're coming to in, in conforming to this world. This world is, is not built to, to uh, really facilitate our alignment with God. We've got to be real careful about that. Learn how to allow the spirit to control the mind. Gauge, discern, submit thought patterns, uh, thinking, thought life to God's spirit, to his paradigm, to his truth, to his word, to his will. That's a conscious effort. It's an intentional effort. Our, our, you know, when we're driving a car, and this, is, this reminds me of another story just real quick. We were driving to Litchfield in our van. It was a Honda Odyssey van. It was an automatic. And at the time, I had a 95 Honda Civic, which was clutch, five-speed, okay? So I was driving to work every day, was, was used to five-speeding all the time. So we're driving to Litchfield, and uh, I'm in that van, and everybody's back sleeping. You know, they're relaxed. It's a nice day. Gr girls are in the back. Lisa's over there sleeping. And uh, I wanted to get off at Litchfield exit, so I tried to clutch. My mind kind of wandered. I, you know, I tried to clutch that automatic, and I hit that brake, and everybody went, boom! <laughs> everybody woke up real fast, man. Oh, oh, man, that was funny. Scared them to death. I, got, I, I was in big trouble there for a little while, but then after a few weeks, it got funny. But, uh... But we've got to be careful in controlling our mind. You know, I, when we're driving a car, if, if we let our mind drift for a minute or two, it could result in an accident. You, you, you have to be on that steering wheel and be able to respond to any stimuli while you're driving at any time. You know, texting is becoming a big issue because you're distracted, okay? If in this world we allow our mind to become distracted with the things of this world, with the sinful nature of the flesh, the, the prince of the power of the air, which is the evil one, or this world system, we're going to get derailed. We're, we're likely to, to try to push on that clutch when we're driving an automatic and we're going we're gonna to mess up. Do not think like those of the past, mistaking God for images made by man or misapplying God in the physical. Acts chapter 17, 29, 31 makes a, makes a, a, a pretty profound statement to me. Paul is saying, therefore, since we are God's... I'm sorry, not Paul. It'd be uh, Luke in Acts. But, but Luke, in this, in this context, is, is describing what Paul is saying here in this, in this uh, context. 
Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine be, being is we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by man's design or skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands that all people everywhere to repent. The word rep- repent also means a, ch- a change of mind. It's a, a realignment of mind. And that's a process we should go through all the time too. As we exercise God's word, as we see him manifested uh, through his creation, through, through the spirit, through the Bible, we should be in that continual process of realigning our mind with God's word, that process of repenting. You know, God allowed such ignorance back in the Old Testament times before he fully... Uh, uh, gave us life in this grace administration. He, 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 he dealt with the ignorance of, of the people in the Old Testament and, and the law. But now we operate with the mind of Christ. We're held to a higher responsibility. God's not going to be so easy to, to dismiss that, that ignorance in, in judging us. Uh, prayer is something that's vital to renewing the mind. God promised to write his, write his word on our minds and hearts. Discover the reality of that promise. It has been fulfilled. God has written his word on our minds and hearts. Discover it, okay? God will teach those who listen. He, and, uh, God will teach, and those who listen will be drawn towards Christ. That's in John chapter 5. It's up to us to listen and respond. Live in forgiving your brother, Okay? And lastly, the results of the renewing mind. What are the results? Why do I want to go through the trouble? Oh, man, I've got to think. I've got, oh, got to be conscious and intentional about what I'm thinking and make sure my heart's aligned and, and that, I'm, that I'm communicating with the Spirit right and all this kind of... Why? Just because I say so or because the Scriptures say so? Is it, a matter, is it simply a matter of duty that we should do that? Well, maybe partly because God is God. He is sovereign. We owe that, we owe that to Him. But the results of the renewing mind, here's just a list of things. This is not exhaustive. These, these are the things that I've encountered, I've experienced, or I could think of. Weaknesses of every kind could be destroyed. Ability to help others will be greatly increased. Ability to succeed and conquer evil, the flesh, and the world system will increase in every category of life. You will have deliverance in life. You will bring deliverance and healing to others. A lack of confidence will be destroyed. You will triumph in Christ. You will get stronger. Negatives don't impact you as before. Christ is formed in you, Galatians chapter 4. You stay in Christ by controlling your thinking. You have victory over evil and spiritual things. You reign in life. Scriptures talk about us reigning, R-E-I-G-A-N. Reigning in life, okay? Yeah, we sin. There's that nature, that's that component of us, okay? But that's not where... That's not where we exist, okay? We, we, we deal with that, we contend with that, we renew the mind, we get that behind us, and we reign, and we conquer. Conquering all that besets us is a, is a result. The battlefield is in the mind. The spirit is perfect. It will strengthen, encourage, and help you. So I encourage you to consider those things. Uh, I have a whole list of ministry resources, books, and radio programs. If, if you're not sure where to start, in renewing the mind in God's word and, and maybe putting into your brain, you know, exposing yourself to stimulus that's, that's going to bolster your brain towards Christ and your mind and your thinking and your worldview. Man, talk to me. I, there's a huge number of great ministries out there from audio books to 
radio programs to DVD studies, and you know, you got the scripture itself, you've got helps and Bible study programs. I mean, it, it's, it's amazing what technology has brought to the forefront right in our lap to be able to understand and comprehend scripture if, if we just have that desire to seek it. So uh, if you have that desire, I would love to talk to you and, and help you any way I can, partner with you to really understand and comprehend God, the reality of God in, in true living. I, I do hope that what we talked about today maybe give you a little better realization of what's going on inside this vessel, inside this being, and how we might contribute more successfully in equipping ourselves to be controlled by that spirit, to be the men and women of God, those, that, that ambassador of Christ, those sons of God that we are, to, to realize ourselves that we're, we're a part of a legacy of Abraham. In Galatians chapter 4, it talks about the fact that we are sons of God. In, in Abraham's lineage, even though we're not Jewish, we, with the Jewish people, in accepting Christ, have, have become sons of Abraham too. Abraham is our father. Just, we're, we're in that legacy. And I, I hope you will, will, will find that. So, Let's pray. God, our Father, we thank you so much for this uh, opportunity, for giving me the opportunity to share your brilliant word and, and uh, to encourage us all to think your way and not necessarily the, the ways that we come up with or construct on our own, um, ways that are guided mostly by how we feel about things or the emotion of things or how things may appear. I ask that, that you will encourage all of us, that you'll put your hand in our soul life, that you'll put your hand in our spirit and quicken it, that you will guide our mind and that the conclusions of our heart will... will, will uh, uh, be of a, of a type where you can become master truly and that you are revealed through us and that we conquer and we're, we experience those deliverances. We're not defeated by sin. Um, we, 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 we live in that new uh, abundant life as a new creation in you. And um, I ask that, that everyone could partake in that and really thrive and realize it. And I pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.